World War Covid. From Weapon World to Peace World. Learner, begin. The Cosmic Serpent. The Cosmic Serpent, DNA and the Origins of Knowledge, Tarcher slash Putnam, New York, 1998. The author, Jeremy Narby, is a Swiss anthropologist who investigated shaman cultures in the Amazon basin. Last I read, he was helping to shield their cultural heritage by finding royalties for their guardianship of irreplaceable biota and habitats. He noted that Western surgeons use curare during surgery. Most doctors understand that it works, in a vague sort of way, but have no idea how it was discovered. The drug can be rendered from about 70 different tropical plants. That jungle recipe, however, releases a fragrance as pleasant as it is lethal. Imagine the village chief, his thoughtful shaman and their sharp young acolytes, otherwise, the whole village, found mysteriously lifeless around a fire-blackened pot. No sign of injury or struggle. Scary. By rights, this process and all its primary ingredients should have been declared taboo since forever. Another ethnobotanist was sent back to the shamans to find out how they had learned to cook up kurari. He refused to believe them when they said they had picked up the trick from their hallucinations. They had to drop monkeys from tall trees for meat, otherwise they were starving. They had hunted out all the other game, yet many monkeys perched out of reach in the trees. The hunters got high and made their request to the cosmic serpent. According to them, it taught them how to cook up kurari and blow dart monkeys out of the trees. Set a special fire, small but persistent, a day's walk from any habitation. Mix the following magical jungle greens to cook for 24 hours. Walk away right away and don't come back until the next day. Now, here's what to do to make a blowgun. Sweet instruction. Shamans induce revelatory hallucinations by taking drugs from nature, fasting, singing, drumming, and dancing to exhaustion, then meditate. Across the world, an international brotherhood of independent shamans has reported similar visions. It consists of two wavy parallel lines, rather like the two-headed chromosome chain of a diploid cell, like the messenger god Hermes-winged caduceus whose intertwined snakes form a medical symbol, and like the rod of Asclepius, similar to the stick healers of the ancient world used to spool a two-foot-long guinea worm during its nocturnal eruption from a human host. At other times, the hallucinatory vision is that of a dragon, a ladder to heaven or what resembles DNA helices to our science-honed prejudices. The game of snakes and ladders comes to mind, as does the plumed serpent, the herald of science for pre-Columbian civilizations, called Coatzacolcos or Quetzalcoatl by the Aztecs, Cuacomats by the Kayak Maya, Kukulcan by the Maya and Viracaca by the Inca. In addition, there's Yggdrasil, the world tree of Scandinavian mythology in other words, Arctic shaman sagas clouded by murderous Viking mead hall cliches. There are other mythical world trees whose aerial branches and subterranean roots grow and shine in cosmic symmetry. Ancient spiral petroglyphs are on every continent, as are representations of snakes as drawings on rock walls and architectural elements of monuments. The foundation of Funan southern Cambodia is ascribed to an Indian Brahmin, Kundanya, who in the first century AD, following instruction in a dream, picked a magic bow from a temple, embarked on a merchant vessel, and reached Funan. There, he defeated the local queen, Soma, daughter of the king of the Nagas, Cobras, married her, and began a royal line. This legend of the mystical union between the Brahmin and the serpent, giving the dynasty a dual legitimacy of an Indian origin as well as roots in the popular indigenous mythology in which belief in earth, water, and snakes was important, was adopted by several Southeast Asian kingdoms, including Kampa, Angkor, and Kedah, to name only a few. The cobra was regarded the lord of the earth and therefore commanded reverence from agricultural people. 
DR Sardesai, Southeast Asia, Past and Present, Westview Press, a division of HarperCollins Publishers Incorporated, Boulder, Colorado, 1997, pages 23 to 24. A similar rainbow serpent is fundamental to the belief of the Bushmen in Australia. A voodoo myth says the rainbow serpent, Aida Wedo, Aida Wedo, and the cosmic serpent, Dangbui, Dambala Wedo, embraced to create the universe and the world. Amazonian incarnations include a black python and a rainbow boa intertwined. Zeus defeated Typhon and trapped it under M.T. Etna. The deadliest monster of Greek mythology, Typhon was the last son of Gaia by Tartarus. The lower half of its body consisted of giant viper coils covered with feathered wings. Four primates once upon a time arboreal like our pre-human ancestors, a chimera, half-snake, half-bird of prey, would have been an elemental nightmare monster. Having just swallowed all the cosmic waters, the serpent bridge recoiled around a mountain. The god Indra struck it with a lethal thunderbolt and thus released the yearly monsoon upon the land parched by its drinking. In ancient Egypt, the Ureus, from the Greek term for a cobra or an emblem thereof, was the headdress of gods and kings to represent supreme power. The Euroboros, a snake swallowing its tail, is a Jungian symbol adopted by many cultures to represent infinity or the Milky Way. African equivalents include Oshunmare and Adafido, South American jungle natives have some more. Hindu folk myths include the serpent Addis Esha, which called itself into being. Mythological and sacred fish symbols can be included here, along with Leviathan and the Christian bounty symbol of a fish, a far healthier symbol than the bloody cross. See reptiliaandagenda.com for a longer list of serpent myths. About 412 million miles of DNA are minutely knotted in each human body. Those strands emit coherent light at very low wattage, like a weak laser. Shaman visions are incandescent, they are accompanied by a complex song that ranges beyond human hearing. This DNA body rush can resemble cosmic laughter to our tin horn ears, like the music of the spheres, or the still, small voice revealing muted truths or just the flow of blood in our ears stuffed with DNA, amplified by the universe presumed to be beyond the self. The hallucinatory setting is one of stellar proportion, overwhelming sound and kaleidoscopic luminescence. It holds infinite promise yet dire consequences, compared to which our personal life and death might seem like no big deal. During auspicious hallucinations, a serpent, an animal familiar or some other wise spirit reveals itself, answers challenging questions and offers sound advice as long as the inquirer shares this information for the common good. Otherwise, if evildoers abuse this gift, that creature never revisits their visions that turn into nightmares without its aid. This often leads to the death by accident or suicide of those who stray. According to the author's dazzling conclusions, DNA engages in endless conversation with all its living incarnations, interacts playfully with the inanimate world, orchestrates all the energy in the universe, plays a laser concerto inside each body, especially during dream time and nightly dreams, and delivers a long sermon to its thoughtful carriers. In other words, the cosmic serpent sings to all the DNA, inanimate matter, and residual energy in the universe. I'm so pretty, oh so pretty. The next time you go outdoors, picture every tree, bush, grass, every beast, insect, and microbe, out to the horizon and beyond, in conversation, some say in love, with each other and with you. What a rush I got when this idea rocked my worldview. In truth, I doubt if there is a more decisive minute for a thoughtful human being than when, the scales fallen from his eyes, he finds he is not an element lost in cosmic solitude, but there is a universal will to live that draws together and is humanized in him. Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, The Human Phenomenon, 
adapted from the translation of Bernard Wall, Trans, W. M. Collins Sons and Co. Limited, London and Harper and Row, Publishers, New York, 1959, p. 30. Using shaman visions, DNA describes itself more fully. These revelations allow it, and us, its favorite pupils for the time being, to become more self-aware, confident, and discerning. Our childish weapon religions share common myths in which a jealous man-god hero child confronts, vanishes or kills the serpent. Such myths include the biblical serpent cast out from the Garden of Eden, Hercules throttling of a pair of pythons who'd invaded his crib, also the massacre of Laden, the dragon guardian of the golden apples of the Hesperides which leads to the field of dragons I only mention in passing. In the Hindu pantheon, Krishna, the avatar, or son of Vishnu, killed Narika, king of the serpents. The Scandinavian thunder god Thor is in eternal conflict with a sea serpent called Hormugand. The two are prophesied to kill each another at the end of the world, Ragnarok. In Cadmus' tale, as in the Old Testament, the serpent plays the villain's role. Remember that until the appearance of the written work, a writhing snake had been a graphic symbol of female sexual energy and power. Shortly after writing's acceptance across the ancient world, male heroes dispatched serpents in order to acquire knowledge or to gain power. Marduk became omnipotent by defeating Tiamat, whose form was a sea snake. In Egypt, Ta defeated the loathsome serpent, Apophysis. In Canaan, El defeated the dreaded sea monster, Yam. Later, Baal slew Laden, another sea serpent. Apollo, the god whose sacred gift was the alphabet, gained control of the important function of foresight by slaying the terrible she-snake Python, guardian of the Delphic Oracle. Perseus killed Medusa, a sorceress with a head of snakes instead of hair. Medusa's most powerful weapon was her image, any man who gazed on her turned to stone. But at the dawn of literacy, Medusa met the fate reserved for all she-serpents. Biblical scholars have identified Psalm 74 and 89 as the two oldest passages in the Old Testament. Each psalm tells a creation story that predates Genesis, in which Yahweh gains dominion over the universe by killing Leviathan, or Rahab, both sea serpents. The universe, therefore, must have been created by some other entity, perhaps Leviathan. Leonard Schlein, The Alphabet vs. The Goddess, The Conflict Between Word and Image, 1998, Penguin Group, New York, p. 122. In Rune XXVI of the Finnish epic, Kalevala, the hero Atai commands the serpent of a thousand tongues to get out of the way, which it does, quietly, as the hero quests to crash the wedding feast of Poyela, the rainbow virgin. During the third of seven labors, the Persian hero Rustam awakens to slay a dragon serpent that harried his warhorse, Rakshir, while Rustam slept. Great Armored Knights, the Persians. The Kusanagi no Tsurigai, or grass-cutting sword, is part of the imperial regalia of Japan. It represents the virtue of valor, the other two, wisdom and benevolence. The storm god Suzanu is said to have cut it out of an eight-headed serpent. WealthyDebates.com We have rejected this cosmic energy source. Dr. Schlein restricts it to a female entity seated in the right brain of both males and females, which theory he validates in the rest of his fascinating book. Lerner concludes that DNA pure and simple, from our stunted point of view, an all-powerful agent, is the material and biological originator of our ephemeral alphanumeric culture. Public miscreants routinely condemn their opponents for crimes the miscreants and their friends have already committed. Duped by identical weapon clergymen, we have abandoned the primal faith in favor of their fantasy of an anthropomorphic and egotistic god, in their image. This incessant denial has forbidden us to soothe our psyches, it has made us strangely reluctant to care for the natural world, an obvious duty.
The Bible's Gospel according to St. John, ch. 1. 1 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 2 The same was in the beginning with God. 3 All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. 4 In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. 5 And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. 6 There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. 7 The same, came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. 8 He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. 9 That was the true light, which lighteth every man which cometh into the world. 10 He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. 11 He came unto his own, and his own received him not. 12 But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. 13 Which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 14 And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Quran contains a surah on this topic, the light, Enur, whose similarity slash dissimilarity with the initial Hebrew text is characteristic. I leave it to your interpretation. The Quran, 2435, which I first noted in Albert Hourney's A History of the Arab Peoples, Warner Books Edition, Hatchet Book Group USA, New York, 1991, p. 173. Please excuse my patchwork of English and French translations. God is the light of the heavens and the earth. The parable of his light is like a niche with a lamp. The lamp is in a crystal. And the crystal, like a glittering star. Kindled from a blessed tree. It's olive, neither from the east nor the west. Whose oil shines almost by itself. Though no fire touch it. Light upon light. God guides to his light whom he will. God gives parables to human beings. God knows everything. I propose that prehistoric gardeners obtain Vedic guidance from shaman hallucinations. Armed with unlimited time, curiosity, and patience, they exercised elementary skills like comparative anatomy and botanical chemistry, making use of technologies as simple as ceramics and pottery will centrifuges. In so doing, they would have delved deeper into genetic architecture than our genetic engineers could imagine. The key necessity, some botanical potion to strip cell walls away and expose the DNA within then lots of time, patience, and good counsel. Those who seek to use powerful psychoactive drugs should not have taken alcohol recently. They had better join a brotherhood that bans the consumption of alcohol. Their best option would be the least alcohol with the strongest psychoactivity. Otherwise, the combination of strong drink and powerful hallucinogen seems to trigger a violent form of social psychosis, as demonstrated by pre-Columbian blood cults, Scythian human sacrifice and the Jivaro Indians between Peru and Ecuador, famous for their shrunken heads and extermination raids, not to mention hundreds of abandoned cities in Central and South America. Ritual human sacrifice, mass cannibalism, and slash or total annihilation appear to result. Good luck with that. In the USA, the refusal of a large part of the electorate to acknowledge and fix obvious threats and favor of vain fantasies of force and power, can be attributed to its massive dosages of alcohol and strong psychoactive drugs. Such abuse, by shamans, and leaders especially, serves the cosmic serpent as an alarm signal for cumulative extermination to re-establish the ecological balance between humanity and nature imperiled for the most part by stupid failure at family planning. Almost every mass murderer used both strong drink and drugs, himself and his henchmen, as will the decision-makers of future genocides. 
mass extermination, cannibalism, and even collective suicide seem to be the consequence of strong spirits mixed with powerful drugs. No thanks, pass. To restore peace world, we must solve many looming technical problems that plague us today, pollution, infrastructure collapse, by a nanotech error, weapon mishandling and many other complex interactions. To find those answers, we should explore this shaman universe methodically, without fear or prejudice. The deadliest feature of current technologies is the weedy growth of unintended consequences. We must find miraculous methods to anticipate and neutralize them. They should be natural, commonplace, and practical. Honoring scientific principles, any honest researcher should duplicate prior results using similar methods. New technologies must prove reliable and safe or at least safer than equivalent scientific operations carried out heedless of consequences today. They would be subject to rigorous scientific standards and toolkits, plus much more open-mindedness than the current muddle. Compared to newborn human culture, DNA is agelessly wise. Unlike fragile human civilization, DNA took the hardest hits this universe could dish out and thrive from or grew around them. Conversations with the fundamental spirit of DNA would benefit both parties. Thus, with reasonable care, both sides could avoid at least some of the unintended consequences charging at us. To avoid such fantastic peril, we should do so. Comment. Mark Mulligan at Comcast.net